Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest feists to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to Tree Talking Time. This one is going to be a little different. We're not talking tree dogs today. We are gonna, we're going to delve into something completely different, but it's something that all of our hound sports have evolved from. We're going to talk about traditional mounted fox hunting. I live in an area that's, I don't know, a very an equestrian hotspot, I would say. I don't know. We've got a lot of equestrian sports, southern Chester County, well, Chester County in general. Um, we're kind of on the outskirts of Philadelphia. We're not too far from Baltimore. In both places, you know, there's a lot of fox hunting. There's a lot of other horse events. They just built a giant equestrian thing for, I don't know, the Olympics or something. Yeah. yeah. That's not far. So, like I said, we're, we're an equestrian hotspot. And this mounted fox hunting obviously requires horses and hounds. And so, it's, it's very popular around here. I happen to know a couple of houndsmen. Huntsmen, right? That's yep, correct. Right. Huntsmen. Yep. So, that's why we're, we're talking to a couple of huntsmen today. On my right, I have Mackenzie. You say hi, you know. Oh, okay. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Rich. Hi, how you doing? So, these two guys both run hounds. They're a little different. Mackenzie runs a, what, it, what would you call your? Uh, a registered pack. A registered yeah. pack. And, then, and we call uh, either farm or a private pack. Okay. So, it's a little different in, in the, the way things work. I... And getting a crash course in this, you know, I, Mackenzie a couple months ago when we were coon hunting, because Mackenzie actually coon hunts as well, so he was telling me some of it, and I was like, man, I got to get you on a podcast, and we can talk about this, but uh, just downstairs, we were in the kennels, and he was kind of explaining a lot, and it's it's very different than coon hunting, bear hunting, so I'm going to pretty much turn it over to you guys, and we're going to go through a lot of the terminology first, so that way, as you guys tell stories and kind of explain things. We're not getting lost as, you know, because we don't, me and the listeners don't know all the terminology. So Mackenzie and Rich, I don't know who wants to take it, but you guys kind of explain what we need to know. Well, considering I started with Rich eight, nine years ago, uh-huh. I was a couple places before that, but I stayed with Rich for probably the longest. I think he should be the one to start <laughs> Okay. terminology and stuff. He's been in it a lot longer than I have. Well, it is a, like I said, a pack sport. We're after the uh, mostly red fox. Sometimes we get into uh, coyotes now. But, you know, however, Mackenzie hunts a lot more hounds than I do. We probably typically take out 20, 25 hounds. And the whole game is to keep them on one track. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and we try to breed them to run at the same speed, have the same, uh, same ability to scent, uh, we try to get their voices. We want big voices. Our hounds are, are Penn Marydales, and they're typically uh, a little slower than like the crossbreds here at uh, where Mackenzie hunts. But we uh, hunt in smaller, a little smaller country. Okay. Hang on one second. Let's explain what a Penn Marydale is because most people are not going to know well, that are not from around here what a Penn Marydale is because, I mean, well, it comes from the, the term is Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, mm-hmm. Eastern Shore, Maryland. Um, it's a, a breed of the American foxhound, but they developed them, I think, from since 1934 because of their nose mm-hmm. and uh, their voice. Okay. Because uh, we hunt in some trappy areas where you can't always just ride right with them. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to hear them, uh, and they got to be able to uh, smell the scent. In, in some pretty rough places. Okay. And be able to get through it. And be able to get through it. Mm-hmm. And then we have to be able to maneuver w- on horseback to stay with them. <laughs> uh, so it, and it has become a recognized pack now, a recognized breed, uh, although we are not a recognized hunt. We still hunt as a private pack, mm-hmm. but we are typically all Penn Marydale. Okay. We're not. <laughs> we're a full registered pack but we have pretty much everything in our kennel is 90 percent crossbred okay um and cross heavily between... we're heavy on american um and you say american it, that's american foxhound yes american foxhounds um 
we have some crossbred stuff in there that would have been crossed with Pen Mary Dell. I do have, I think, three or four straight Pen Mary Dell in our pack. Um, and if you would sit and go back, you, you can find a little bit of English and a little bit of Welsh and stuff still in there, but most of that's gone at this point. Mm-hmm. But with the Americans, with, with our country, it's not as rough. We, we still have trapiaries and stuff, but we have smaller plots of woods that we hunt into that cover and everything surrounded it's wide open fields yeah so we have a lot more once we push a fox out of that cover he's got you know five six hundred acres open that he's got to cover before he can go back into his next cover to get away okay so we we, we like that little bit more leg underneath them we still want the voice we still want the drive that they have but we want to be able to do it faster we okay. got a lot more ground to cover mm-hmm. and you said all of this you guys are keeping up on horseback Yes, now. you have to, you, you got to have a good horse, and it it, it changes. You know, you, you go hunt with Rich. You got to have a horse that can climb a mountain and climb around like a mountain goat. Mm-hmm. You come go down, down here, the rocks. <laughs> yeah, you, you you come down here, and you need a horse that can run, and you need a horse that can jump. Yeah, that's a, you were talking about jumping fences, and yep, yep. Most of our countries down here is line fences, coops, um, some hedges randomly thrown in. Every now and then, some some wire, some of the tape, white wire fencing, and you know it, it's dumbed down some. There's not as much four rail around here. We have inserts, which is just a, a smaller section of three rail that we've put into fence lines, which we're, we're allowed to do. This this whole community around here is based around the fox hunt, so yes, we we kind of have free reign to what we can do. Most landowners don't care. Then you know you, you go back up to where Rich is at, and I mean. We can talk about the blue rocks where right. I, I personally well, up got where we hunt. It's stuck. pretty much all cover. Okay. <laughs> yep. You know, they sometimes you might get a patch of an open field where you can get a chance to see them, but a lot of times they're in the cover the whole time they're running. Okay. And that's another reason why, you know, they need to have have that nose and that drive that keeps them going. And it's not like they can get out on an open grass field and just go go away with it. The, the other big difference, too, is, you know, we, we have open ground and our woods have trails in it. There's a lot of times up there, your you're deer trails or you're bushwhacking. <laughs> you're, you're just right. cutting cross country and hoping for the best. Yeah. Now, I've, I worked on a farm not right down the road, and it's got ni- has nice big trails yep. <laughs> cut through it. And that was part of my job is maintaining those trails, making sure they were clear. And Yep. Yeah, you, you go back up that way, and, I mean, you, you can go from being in a field to being in six foot of mud, hoping you can make it out the other side with all your <laughs> shoes, to back onto a rock wall. To right. the, the, the last time I hunted the Blue Rocks with you, I got your horse stuck down yeah, in we the had Blue to get, Rocks. thought we were going to have to get a digging bar to yeah. pry the horse's foot out between Jeez. the rocks. Yeah, he stepped down between three rocks and just locked his foot in there. Yeah, go And, I mean, and you're, you, know, you get in a place like that, you're, you're back in there half uh-huh. mile, mile. You're not getting to the horse. Mm-hmm. You're figuring it out on the fly. Why hounds are running? You're hoping you're not going to yeah. lose them. You got to keep up somehow, and you're trying to get a horse on stuck, and everybody's still moving. It's not like they're just going to stop and wait on you. Yep. Now, and actually, I want to I want to talk about hounds getting away from you, but let's get back to the terms real quick, just because I don't want to gloss over that and then get in the middle of things and then people not understand. So let's kind of go through. I don't know the. The Huntsman Dictionary here, like, what are the, <laughs> just, just the different terminology you guys use, like, when hounds are running in their opening, it, you know, you don't say opening. No, we say hark on, or. Yeah, you're pushing hounds on, harking them hark, to hark, hark, hark. Yeah, which is just pushing to the hound that's opening. Mm-hmm. And we try, or at least I do, I try to use the horn as much as I can to get the hounds, and we have a certain note that we blow with the horn to, to push them on, too. So your, your, your difference from the coon hunting world is. You know, even in your competitions, you're listening for your dog. Yeah. Even if somebody else's dog opens, that that doesn't affect you for your calls or anything like that. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, you, you get to learn your pack. You get to know hounds' voices. You get to know puppies. You get to know who you can trust and can't. Yeah. You know, when you're hearing one of your good hounds be the first to open, now you just want the rest of your pack to get to that hound. Yeah, you encourage okay. them or push them on to that, to that open. Yeah, Rich started telling you guys it's a pack sport. So you don't want that one hound doing all the work. Once that hound opens and you know it's right, you want your whole pack going with them. Yeah. You don't want three hounds going out of where you're at and the rest of the pack sitting there trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and there's lots of times where you'll have the whole pack running 
like up there in the game lands a couple times, and then a coyote will come in, and they just—it's like a relay. They try to try to pull the hounds away, and they'll split them up, and and that's where it gets ugly trying to keep them together. Yeah, I mean, if it's a red fox, and all the hounds stay on that red fox, no interruptions, it, it, it's not too bad. You know, they can stay with it. Yeah, the the coyotes the coyotes right now are the worst for everybody. Right. It's no different for Rich than it is for me with the coyotes. You, you hit a coyote in our territory or his territory, you're you're going long distances, you're going fast, you're going hard straight away. Yep, and you're probably going to end up in some kind of trouble. Where the, the foxes, you know, they 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 typically circle. run a loop. Yeah, they run some kind of a loop. They come back to their home turf. Now you you get in a breeding season, you you might hit a fox that ends up taking you all over the place. One other thing I want to talk about, you know, as we were talking terms is you guys are huntsmen. Yes. But you just got a, you just took the job as huntsman, but you were the whip. I was the head whip for, for this. So, hunt. so what, explain that. So a huntsman, you're, you're, Rich is in charge of everything. Rich picks where they're going. He casts their hounds. He decides which way he's drawing, which way he's going to hunt, how he's going to hunt, which hounds are going. He's in charge of everything. My job in a nutshell is to, keep the hound safe and make him look good as a whip <laughs> yeah as, now, a whip, as a whip but yeah. now you're in a, the same now, position yes, now i had the same position as rich okay so now i have people that work for me doing the same thing mm-hmm. so as much as I, I i try to as much as rich does and i do we, we we stay with our hounds the best we can but i'm worried about where what hounds are where which hounds are going this way which hounds are going that way if i leave two hounds that got tired or something behind me mm-hmm. I'm not as concerned about it because I got a whip behind me that can push them on. Okay. If I'm going to a road, but I need to be watching what's going on, I got a whip ahead of me now that should be out on that road blocking traffic, along okay. with our, our car follower, our, our, what we call a road whip, which is our guy in a truck that has an idea where we're at and, and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, the whipper in is kind of an extension of the huntsman. You know, they, you typically have at least two, maybe three, and they kind of flank you. To start out in the perfect scenario. <laughs> and, uh, now, um, now, is there really a perfect scenario in fox hunting? Not really. <laughs> but, you know, by the book. And uh, they are there to help you keep the hounds in, in a pack. And mm-hmm. like I say, they go into a cover. There could be more than one fox come out. Okay. Say so they might split right away. So this, uh, you know, whipper in is there to help keep them together. And the huntsman is there to decide which track you're going to follow, you know. There might be 40 hounds on this track and three hounds on this track, so you want, you want to go with a big pack. So the whip has to try to keep the, the strays or the ones going off on the other track together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other thing is all this, we do everything we can not to kill the fox. Um, we want that fox there the next day. Yeah. We want to be able to chase him, you know, next weekend or whatever. Yeah. So it's not like a, a, a diehard kill sport. And that's something else that a lot of people don't understand. You know, it's like chasing a golf ball. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, and with coon hunting and, and bear hunting, I know a lot of people, they, you know, it's called tree and free. You, you tree it, you turn around, you walk away. I mean, right. yeah, you, you, you get to see, too, and I think you see it more, more in his territory than down here because we're so open, but you'll actually run the same fox more than once. And you can actually, if you're at the right spot at the right time, you can actually watch a fox play with hounds. Hmm. Right. You can see a fox that'll, he'll work his way through a bunch of stuff and climb up on a rock and he'll sit there and wait on them. <laughs> he'll just be sitting there watching, watching hounds work up, yeah. up over a hill. Well, I've seen it quite a few times. Yeah. yeah. That's funny that they actually know and that they're basically playing, playing the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of them, some of them, like you can tell it's, it's fun for them just like it is for us. Right. Yeah. Hang on one second. It's not picking up. The whole kennel downstairs is going up. I was wondering if I, if we were picking any of it up. So I don't. What time is it? Eight ten. It's a little early. So there's a fox that actually comes out of the lower woods down here and comes right across in front of the kennels at like two in the morning and nine ten o'clock at night, like clockwork. Either that or the fire company's sirens going off right now. <laughs> gotcha. So how many hounds do you have downstairs? Uh, without the puppies, I think we're sitting at like 86 or 87 and I've got, I think seven or eight pups on the ground, but they, this time of year, they don't really mean anything to me cause they won't do anything till next year. Yeah. They kind of just get to grow up. Mm-hmm. 
they're not they you know seven months they're into the pack but at seven months they're just they're, they're they're learning come through doors get called off for dogs or bitches whichever they are and they're learning their names and the ins and outs other than that they're they're just here yeah so like like i said this, most people listen to this are coon hunters squirrel hunters bear hunters so a pack of dogs for most people you know we're all five ten dogs maybe maybe 15 and you just said how many 80 yeah there's there's over 80 here right now And when you hunt how many dogs do you typically take um so the beginning of the year for me you know i my new entries which be year old dogs i only take two new entries every day i hunt it rotates till everybody gets to go so i can see what they're going to do they get their days out and we get to know them um beginning of the year if i run I'm running anywhere from 18 to 21, 22 couple, and I, I don't know why I got this from from the huntsman prior to me. Um, you always take your lucky half. So you know if, if you're taking 12 and a half, you're taking 25 hounds. Everything down here is done in couples. It's always a pair. Why is that? Just how it is. It's okay, just they how, yeah, it's just how we count them. And, and when you're out, it's a lot easier to count. You know, when we come out of a cover on a fox and we're crossing two major roads going somewhere else, it's easier to count in twos than it is to count in ones. And I like to know when I leave a cover if I'm leaving with all my hounds or where I'm leaving hounds behind. That way, if we have to go back or we have to find somebody, mm-hmm. you know so, where your last count was. So it's mainly just so an easy way to count hounds yes. in the field. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So... I just think that's amazing is that, you know, you take that many hounds to the woods at one point in time. And we were just talking downstairs. How many tracking collars do you have? Um, this is going to be the first year. Last year, we had a single old Garmin 550 that we might put on one of our lead hounds. And that was just for our education and knowing how many <laughs> miles we did. Nobody carried the handheld. It laid in the truck, turned on. Nobody ever, ever looked at it. Gotcha. This year, I've got... 10 of the newer Alpha 200 trackers, the tracking system and the collars, the TT10, or the TT5s. T5s. Or the, yeah, the T5s. Um, this can be the first year, and, and, and honestly, like I was talking to you downstairs, I've had them for three weeks now, and I think I've used five of them. <laughs> and that was mainly puppies. Mm-hmm. That's just mind-boggling. Like, you- I, I can't imagine taking any of my dogs to the woods without a tracking collar, so it's just vastly different. Uh, and the biggest thing you got to remember too, though, is you're 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 hunting at night most of the time. Even when I hunt during the day, I've squirrel hunted, I've bear hunted. That's true. It doesn't matter. You know, I think it, it, <laughs> I haven't it, cut a dog loose in years without a collar. We we have yeah, you know, we do have some major roads, but you got to remember too the community we're in, where we've hunted the same three days of the week for years. Yeah, everybody expects us. There's a fixture card They're sent out. For you, yeah. yeah, they 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 vaguely know we're going to be there, mm-hmm. but you still get your people that don't either don't care or don't know or yeah. people just driving through that but no for the for the most part they they stay as a pack and they come home as a pack you, you might if you're missing a hound or two that's you go find them that's about it and gotcha. most of them are close by and uh, i'm sure you'll you you know this as far as most of the places around here i mean we leave a hound out and if we can't find it for some reason it's normally laying here by the next day right gotcha. right or, they come home when the neighbors pick it up or call mm-hmm. they know where where it belongs yeah now do you run any sort of tracking collars we have like 10 okay and we usually normally hunt 12 to 13 couples okay and so i have like nine or 10 tracking collars so i put on each day I decide which ones should wear a tracking collar. <laughs> sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. <laughs> hey, you, you talk about a lot of hounds. Do you remember the last year we did the meet up at the, uh, the Game Lands? That Johnny and Kimberton and you and Doc, we had four different hunts there. And how does that work, mixing packs? Well, if, usually pretty good. In, in our world, with the, back then, like this you know, not this pack here, but they're all Penn Meridels. Mm-hmm. And they all, you know, it might, they might have a little, little bit of a scrap getting together or sniffing one another, but no major fights. And as soon as we get a, get a fox, they're just all, all on the same track, you know. We had, and I, I bet you Doc probably brought 20 hounds. Oh, well, we probably, probably had 20, 70, yeah. 65, 70 hounds running in one pack. Wow. And staying together. Mm-hmm. And then when we quit, they all come back, and we're dividing them up in the, our trucks and trailers. And yeah. 
Now you were explaining downstairs kind of the way things work in the kennel. So explain the kennel setup first and then kind of explain what you were explaining, like how you feed and how you So count. our kennels, I've got five runs inside. I've got two grass runs outside. Um, I got two whelping lodges. Our dogs and our bitches are split up during the day and the third lodge is for anything that's in season. Um, mornings, they go outside. They get split in their runs outside until we get kennels cleaned up and stuff. And they all eat together. I pour feed. We have a 20-foot trough in there. I pour almost 100 pounds of feed in there this time of year while we're hunting. Um, both packs come in together. They eat together. And our little side door, when I open the side door and call for all the dogs, all the dogs split off and they go back to their run. They get locked in. And I just go back to get to get the bitches out of there. Um, this time of year, you, you get one or two that are that don't understand yet. Um, I just put two like seven month old puppies in there that they haven't decided that they know what sex they are yet. So you have to grab them every now and then and pull them through the door. But gotcha. a couple of weeks, they figure it out pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Um, See, that's so and we interesting hunt, because we hunt a mixed pack too. Mm-hmm. I don't just hunt the bitches one day and the dogs another day. Okay. Every day I draw off hounds. It's a mix. Okay. Which I know for a long time here, it was a straight bitch pack. And per- personally, I'm glad I have a mixed pack. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have better a better sound and a better hunt with a mixed pack. Okay. Now, do you hunt the same way? Pretty much, yeah. We only hunt, like I say, probably 12, 13 couple, but we, a mixed pack. Our kennel was set up a little different uh, because it is smaller. Um, they're inside uh, the inside kennel, and then we turn them in and out. Um, they, don't, they don't have a run of the the run we had to put them out put them in we have a girl that uh is there every day that's her job to feed them and take care of them and get them out and if it's too hot she brings them in if it's too cold or rainy brings them back um, okay but yeah it's, it's pretty much the same that way i'm just my mind boggled because i know if i turned my four dogs loose together <laughs> and tried to feed the four of them together it would not go smoothly <laughs> So the the thought of feeding 80 dogs together all at one time and having control, not having fights, not, and then being able to you, just. You, you do. You get little scuffles here and there, but it's never anything. Pull that back to your face. It's nothing. Turn it up. There you go. It's nothing bad. Um, and you got to remember too, Rich said it two or three times now. It is a packed sport. So mm-hmm. they're, they're together all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, you're, you're putting, like, like I just said, I put a seven-month-old puppy in there. First two days, he might not be in there diving into the food bowl because he's a little overwhelmed. But yeah. by day two, he's going, okay, I'm hungry. I'll figure this out. And he finds his place, and everything's good. Yeah. Like I said, it's just very different, and that's why I find it super interesting And in that you can sit there, and you, and you said almost every dog in here would, would, you know, come to its name. Every hound yeah. in here, yeah, every hound in, in both his pack and my pack, they all have names, and they all pretty much know their name, and you can call them, and they will come. And if they don't come, they will at least respond. They will at least look at you. And <laughs> yeah, look at you and say, eh, I might want to go over here instead, but no, they know their names. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we do as far as kenneling, at, at our house, my wife, Leslie, takes care of the uh, retired hounds. Mm-hmm. We, after they've served their time, 9, 10, 11 years old, um, usually by 9, they're pretty much done hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing we do. Humanely, we keep them at home um, and give them a good home. They've worked yeah. hard for us, and mm-hmm. we keep them until their time is done. Yeah. You do don't. most of your puppies at home, too. Yeah, we raise most of the puppies. <clears throat> this last litter was whelped at at the kennel which is 20 miles from our house mm-hmm. and uh, then after you know i don't know what two three weeks we brought them home and kept them there till they're weaned mm-hmm. and uh, soon we'll take them back okay and introduce them into the kennel with mm-hmm. the rest of the hounds very interesting and then maybe like about a year we'll start walking them out with hounds with the other hounds okay but it's a, it's a passion, a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lifestyle. Well, and, you know, <clears throat> for Rich, it's not a full-time job. No, it is not. You, hunt, you said two days a week? Right. 
But for you, Mackenzie, this is your job. You live yeah. here. You this is what you yep. do. I live here. Um, I, I'm in the kennels every day. Mm-hmm. Hunt days this time of year. I'm in the kennel by four or four thirty. Non-hunt days. I'm still in the kennel by six. And gee, it, it, I I don't know. For for me, it amazes me. Like days that we just walk out on foot, and days that we're gonna go hunt. There's a totally different feel in the kennel in the morning. Okay. The hounds have a different feel. Like they, they somehow, yeah, somehow they know. <laughs> I can walk out on a horse with these hounds onto our kennel lawn on a day that we're just going to go exercise, and they're just lollygagging around. They don't, they don't care. And I can get on that same horse at the exact same time the next day, and somehow they know that we're going to the cover and we're going to go hunt. Hmm. It's, it's kind of freaky the, way, the right. way they associate it. Do you dress differently? Nope. Hmm. Not at all. Not this time of year. Yeah. Now we get the formal season. Well, not even formal season. We get to our full actual cubbing, cubbing season. Yeah. We're, we're tweed coats and stuff. And then when we get the formal season, red coats. So, so why don't we explain what cubbing season, formal season, what all this is? Go ahead, Rich. Okay. <laughs> well, cubbing, we usually start um, real soon, like probably mm-hmm. September. Okay. Um, and it's when the young foxes, that's when we introduce some of the young hounds. You know, the the first year hounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way I see it and the way it's worked for me, um, a lot of times we'll get a young fox, and the young fox is not going to run cross, cross country. So it's a, a lot of times we run them in standing corn. Mm-hmm. So the fox is comfortable in that corn. He's got a lot of cover. The hounds can smell him in there and can run him, and, and they're not actually going cross country. Mm-hmm. And the young hounds get a chance to smell it. And the f- young foxes, you know, probably their den is in there. They're going to run mm-hmm. a couple circles in the corn and then go in. Yeah. And so that's just when we start trying to introduce the young hounds to the real mm-hmm. world of fox hunting. Now, during cubbing season, do you have the hunt along with you? Or is it just you guys as staff? Yeah, normally we do. And... uh have the hunt with us and it's usually earlier in the morning or sometimes we go in the evenings okay. when it cools off mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's not a formal thing we like i said we're a farmer pack or a private pack but we still try to follow the tradition to wear in the cubbing season you wear tweed and uh, you know boots and breeches mm-hmm. and then once the formal season comes you, in november you start to wear the the black coats or the scarlet when you're special occasion. Okay. But we're not as strict as say the, the recognized with yeah. the attire. Um, we like to think it's all about fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to get out there and see what the hounds are doing. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you're wearing really, but you want to go out there and hear the hounds and mm-hmm. see what they're doing. And a lot of times the cubbing season, people get to see, that because we're not full blast, you know, full cry across the open country or or even through the woods. Like I say, usually stay in a small area. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we get a young, young fox. Okay. Now explain, like, you know, Mackenzie, you said you're, you guys tend to be more formal. What does your attire look like? Uh, This time of year, it's kind of the same as Rich. You know, we're, we're, we're in riding pants and boots and stuff, but just, you know, a nice clean polo shirt, okay. dress-up shirt, mm-hmm. nothing nothing major. Um, as soon as we hit our official cubbing season, um, we go tweed coats, normally rust-colored breeches, and still black boots. Okay. For us, they, they especially being, being staff and a huntsman here, they expect us to be turned out looking clean. Mm-hmm. Clean shave, haircut, not hair going everywhere. Yeah. Pants clean, boots clean, polished. Gotcha. They, they, you got to have some kind of a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we hit our, our main hunt season, I, I don't like it, but I'm stuck in a bright red coat the whole season. <laughs> um, some and packs, you look good in a bright red coat. So, so, <laughs> some packs, um, they want you in white britches when you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we don't have that here. Okay. I do not like white britches because you turn one way the wrong way and they're covered and disgusting looking in the first five minutes. But, oh yeah, and I mean for us, for I us, mean, it's pure everything. white. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, um, I mean, our, our attack has to be clean. Our horses come clean. Any kind of special hunts, our, our Thanksgiving, um, our opening meat, all that kind of stuff, our horses are braided. It's it's a big, big thing. Yeah. And, like, Thanksgiving for us is, is our biggest hunt here. Mm-hmm. Um, last year we had 300 and some spectator cars sitting on the kennel lawn yep. that weren't even part of the hunt. They were just here to watch. Yep. That was, uh, like I said, I worked down the road a couple probably 10 years ago now that is my exposure to this hunt is i came to the blessing of the hounds on thanksgiving morning and in all saw all of its glory and all the hoopla because it it is quite a spectacle just and i understand it's a big thing and but just like the even for you we we do the same thing on thanksgiving on a smaller scale but we've had maybe 40, 50 riders. Okay. Uh, maybe 100 spectators. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing how at many Hibernia people, Park. The, the, yeah. the community that just shows up yeah. just for Thanksgiving. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we never see these people all year. Yeah. And it's just a, like a tradition for them, yeah. just as much as it is for us, that they, they show up on Thanksgiving Day to see the hunt off. Yeah. If they stay all day, they stay all day. Some of them just show up for the beginning stuff and then they leave. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of impressive how many people turn yeah. out just to yeah. see. A pack of hounds go hunt a fox. Yep, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, like you said, it, it's it's very ceremonial. It's very. I mean, we don't. I, I don't know what the right way to describe it is, but it, it it's not. Like, that is not the the hunt. It that is like I said, a ceremony. And, it is right. It is because right. you you guys have a preacher and stuff that does a blessing and stuff before you guys hunt. Yeah, on uh, Thanksgiving morning. Uh, we do a blessing at the hound, usually at Hibernia Church, and then we go off into, we have a special activities permit to hunt in Hibernia Park. Okay. And uh, this year, October 1st, we're doing uh, Chester County Day. Mm. Uh, they have a, a house tour to raise money for Chester County Hospital, and they always open it up with a, a fox hunt in cool. four different quadrants of Chester County. Mm-hmm. And this year, they asked us to perform that, and we're going it's never been done at Hibernian Park. This is the first year. Cool. And uh, we're supposed to perform there on uh, October 1st, and hopefully it'll all go good. we got to bring the hounds out and talk a little bit to the spectators, <laughs> and hopefully they stay with us till we get ready to mount up and yeah. actually hunt. So. And for, for the longest time, I, I won't say her name, but Rich had probably the nicest preacher to do to do his service. I watched that poor lady the one year sitting there doing her sermon and the blessing as a hound had its leg cocked <laughs> on her shoe. And she never, never even said a word, just kept going. Yeah. Like it never even happened. Yeah. We had, <laughs> we've had some really you. good times over the years. I've had a lot of fun times with Rich. We've, we've had a lot of fun hunts together. So now that we've talked kind of about like what this is and, and, you know, the the formality of it and why don't you guys give us some good stories and kind of what, what a hunt looks like. Like you get up in the morning, walk us through a hunt and then we can kind of recap some, some really memorable. You're going to get guys. two, two majorly different, different starts to a day here. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, like you said, I, I live on the property. I, I live above the kennel. So mm-hmm. I walk down my steps and it, it starts any other morning. You know, I, I turn my hounds out and you know, when I'm, when I'm turning hounds out, I'm looking to make sure, Somebody doesn't have a swollen leg or, or anything from the day before hunting. Mm-hmm. And while they're out, I'm doing kennels, spraying down, cleaning up everything they've left me the night before. Um, and then I'm, I'm drawing off my hound list of who's going that day. I'm getting my collars set up that, I'm, that just started this year. I got to have them ready to go to put on. And then, yeah, I'm coming in. If, if it's a home meet that we're hunting from the kennel, I'm pretty much done. I'm just going to bring hounds back in, draw off the hounds that are hunting, collar them up, and then I'll go in and change and get dressed. Um, if it's an away meet, I'll be in a little bit more of a rush to get dressed. The one thing you learn very quickly in, in this kennel is when they come in from the runs, you do not want to be standing in there in your riding pants and your clean boots because you are going to be a muddy mess before <laughs> you get hounds drawn off. Gotcha. So a lot of times I will get them drawn off, collared up, and then I will go change. Mm-hmm. Um, now when we get later in the year, it changed a little bit. Um, well, we're not meeting till 11 in January and stuff if we're still hunting, if we haven't gotten shut down from weather or freezing. I normally can have kennels done, and I will, depending on the temperature, hounds will either just stay out 
where I will bring hounds back in and then I will have like an hour where I can just kind of relax. I can come up, change around, get everything ready, hook trailers up, stuff gotcha. like that. Um, and if we're going to an away meet, I'm loading hounds into a trailer, which mm-hmm. I open the kennel door and open the trailer doors and they run over and jump in the trailer because they're yeah. ready to go. I know that's different for you in a hunting morning. You got you got a lot more. Of all all my stuff's right here. I'm right. I'm down in the kennels in ten steps, and I'm already at work. Yeah, yeah. Well, we keep our we keep our horses at home. Our kennel is twenty miles away. So depending on where we're hunting, like like I said, we hunt a lot at Highbury Park. Uh, my wife and I get up, get our horses ready, get cleaned up. Then I'll usually run over to the kennel. Mm-hmm. Uh, get hounds ready, put collars on, load them up in a truck, come back, finish getting the horses ready, load them up in the trailer. My wife will drive the hound truck. I drive the truck and trailer with the horses. Go another 10, 12 miles to, to the meet. Then uh, hunt all day. Ride could be five, six hours. Okay. Then hopefully all the hounds come back. We load them up. <laughs> Then we repeat the process. We come back to the house, undo the horses, clean up, clean stalls. Yeah. Then take the hounds another 20 miles back to the kennel and then come back. So it's, it's a long day. It's a labor of love. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not complaining at all. We, we love it. But uh, on a Hibernia day, I, I never realized it to one day I clocked that we did like 120 miles in the truck. Yeah. Besides the hunting, all the hunting. And yeah. So um, now let's explain old. what a, what the Fox hunt ex- actually looks like. Obviously, you know, you cut a Fox track, you're going to follow the Fox, but like, what does that, like once you're out in the field with the hounds on your horses, what does that day look like? Oh, it I mean, varies. I, I realize that, but like, yeah, it, just it, kind it of varies. A, I mean, uh, typical. Um, it depends where we're going and stuff. Typically where anywhere I'm hunting, my, my first cover is within a couple hundred yards that I'm drawing into and you know we we go out with a good plan of of where we want to go and how we want to hunt where we think the fox is going to run yep and and, you know when you when you start your day you have you know you're you're parking your trailer at point a so your goal is to kind of make a a giant loop somehow and end up back at point a but 90 percent of the time that never never happens (laughs) you you start at point a and you go to point z and back to b and over to (laughs) f and it never goes how you think it's going to go. Okay. Um, yeah, thank God for the technology, the radios, the yeah. um, the Garmins, uh, where we can kind of keep track of them and keep them safe on the roads. And, yeah. Uh, I don't think um, people who, do, who don't, don't, don't do the mounted fox hunting don't understand how in control and out of control you are at the same time. <laughs> you can be in complete control of everything going on, and they make, one 90 degree turn running a fox and go up a hill and they're a half a mile away from you in the blink of an eye and you're playing catch up gotcha and i i know for you guys it's it's even worse because you know they they go over one hill and by the time you get to the top of that they're on the next valley going up over the next hill Mm -hmm. that you have 20 minutes to catch up to them now yeah down here at least i have some open fields but I, i can say out of the packs i've hunted with Last year, I had one day out in a hay field where I had a horse flat out. It could not move any faster, and these hounds were still pulling away from me. There was, there was not, I just wasn't catching them. <laughs> there was no, no way it was happening. Mm-hmm. And now you take, you know, you take a pack that can run like that, and you throw them into country like he has, and you're trying to get through a briar patch and trees and rocks on a goat trail yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before they get to a major road. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's where the pen meridos come in. They they can climb and do that, and you know, and just yeah. keep at it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking downstairs. With, you know, you hunt different styles of dogs for different style of country, and without a doubt, right, right. So. I, I I'm really like like I said, I, I hunted with Rich for nine, ten years, yeah. And I I never back then would have thought I would end up hunting a pack of crossbreds or or American hounds. And now, now seeing the country down here and how they run, mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it. Yeah. But if you asked me to take this pack and put them in Rich's country, we'd be in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> and if you bring Rich's pack down here, they'd be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our hounds, even though we have a lot of Penn Marydell influence into our crossbreds, 
our hounds are a little taller, a little bulkier. And a lot leggier. Yeah, they, they, they can they can cover ground. When yeah. they start moving, they're they're gonna go. Yeah. The other the other thing too with ours is uh they, they lock onto a fox and our our checks are very, very especially later in the season, our checks are very short when they when they lose a scent or they overrun a, a corner or something where where a fox turned out mm-hmm. because they're they have that, that American in them, they're a little bit more keen. They they'll they'll hunt themselves. Okay. They they figure out that that fox made a turn there, and you'll see them. They'll they'll cast themselves out fifteen feet, twenty feet, and they'll they'll hit the line on their own before you can even help them. Okay, and they're they're going again. Mm-hmm. The Penn Marydales, they run just as hard. Yeah, they'll they'll do it. Um, they're pretty much you know you get a a few of them, <laughs> but uh, you got to help them along a little bit sometimes. Gotcha, but. Uh, I don't know, and I think I think mine. I'm pretty happy with mine the way they they pick up at a check, mm-hmm. you know. And there we had a few that wouldn't, and we'd get rid of them or move them on to somewhere else. And, yeah, but I th- I think it'd be fair to say, I- in my opinion, um, I think the Penn Mary dolls hunt for you a little bit more. Okay, whereas the crossbreds and the Americans hunt for you and themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with the crossbreds. I've always <laughs> been with Penn Marydales, you know. Gotcha. So, um, now, I was talking to a guy, and he's got some Penn Marydales. He actually lives further up north and coyote hunts and fox hunts off foot. And he's got some Penn Marydales. And he's like, because we're on foot, he's like those slower dogs kind uh-huh. of <laughs> are a little advantageous for them. Right. You know, I hear it all the time. Everybody's everybody's back and forth with with the oh the Pen Mary dolls are slow. The Pen Mary dolls are slow. Like like I said in the beginning of this, I've got three or four straight Pen Mary dolls downstairs, and two of those Pen Mary dolls on most of the days. If you look at the first four hounds crossing the line coming out of a cover, it's so, one of those straight Pen Mary dolls. Okay, but you got to go back to your difference of country too. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you send that hound back up to Rich, it's going to run with his pack. Mm-hmm. You send it down yeah, here. We, and it gets we've had days country. where we, oh, my God, I can't believe they're, you know, they're out of here already. Yeah. You know, when there's yeah. certain times where they, yeah. you know, conditions are right, the scent is right, the weather. Mm-hmm. They, they, can all, they, they can all move the same right. speed. It's just a matter of where they're hunting and the condition. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few memorable hunts. You know, you guys have had, shared a lot of them. I've heard some <laughs> some crazy stories. Um, <laughs> when we were coon hunting the one night, we were coming back, and you were like, "Yeah, did I tell you about I got stuck up in there?" Or, oh yeah, well, I you know crazy the, stuff. The, the game lands. The game lands is horrible for me. Uh-huh. I got his horse stuck. I have twenty two bird shot in my right thigh from the game lands. Oh yeah, I remember yep, that. Yep. Come out on the power line. <laughs> Uh-huh. We went up over a hill. I was actually riding his horse, and I heard a gunshot, and he heard a gunshot. And when we got to the top, we were both like, were you shooting at somebody? And by the time we got back to the trailer, I realized that my, my pistol had went off in its holster. Lovely. And I ended yeah. up with some twenty two birdshot in my leg. <laughs> that, that was quite comical, actually. <laughs> I think you need a new holster. Well, another time in that game land when... We were sitting there watching the foxes going round and round, nice loops, and all of a sudden, we, you said to me, you said, I don't think they're coming back around. <laughs> the day and with the coyote. <laughs> they didn't. And so we split up thinking we're going to go, and of course, the radios, the GPSs didn't work. Phones didn't work over there in the hills. <laughs> and Mackenzie and I guess it was Chelsea that day ended up. In the over, other side of the park. Yeah, they went through. Hopewell National Park, which is a very no-no. Um, we had, and that that was a good, probably six miles out six, across seven there, miles straight across. After they had made like five or six loops on this red fox, that's where I say that. Then the coyote just kind of intervened, yeah. and took them away. We had eight um, rangers from Valley Forge Park <laughs> uh, run us down. <laughs> Luckily, so I had, I, his I, brother got there with a truck, and we got the hounds loaded up. I ended up with most of the hounds on the other side of the park, and I thought we were safe. And I jumped off my horse, 
and there was somebody standing there and I didn't, I, I was kind of in that mode of just getting our hounds and getting out of there. I didn't know where Rich was at at that point. Cause I, I, I went out of there as quick as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I ended knew, up getting in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew the last I had heard, he said he was going to head for a truck, but I handed somebody my horse. My brother pulled up in one of our other trucks and I'm, I'm cramming hounds in the back seat. I'm cramming them into the tonneau cover. Like I'm putting hounds anywhere I can just to get out of there. And he left with the hounds and I turned around to get my horse and there was a park ranger standing there holding my horse. And I'm like, Yep. <laughs> we're we're in trouble now. <laughs> but it it all turned out pretty well. We had had a meeting with the park rangers and I explained everything that we did and told them that we had been hunting there twenty five years and she went they went back over the records and said, Well, we've never had one complaint about you here in twenty five years, so you must be doing something right. So the other okay. big thing <laughs> you said about the garments, we had a map on the garment on the handheld. Mm-hmm of where we started at yeah. and they could see on the map that we yeah, had we made were way away from yeah that. we had made a bunch of circles way far away and then there was just one straight line <laughs> that, was a coyote. that was that was definitely an, an interesting day right sounds will take you all kinds of places oh yeah <laughs> yeah and you guys are talking about hunting game lands i've hunted up there coon hunted up there so i mean i know how rough that is yeah, yeah. i can't imagine being up in some of that country on a horse uh, it's you, you gotta have a good horse under you you know, you, you can't go out there on something three-legged, no shoe, one eye. <laughs> you got to trust what you're sitting on. I'll yeah. take something spooky. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you, you come down here and you need something that can move and you need something that can jump. Yeah. It's a totally different type of horse. Mm-hmm. You need a horse that can gallop four, five, six miles and not be getting tired. You go up there, you got to be able to climb a mountain. Yeah. Right? Like you said, the hounds got to be different. The horse has got to be different. Everything. It's a totally different aspect. And what what's the you know, hunting here to there? Forty five minutes. Maybe. Half hour, hour forty five minutes. When they hunt Hibernia, he's only probably twenty minutes from me. Yeah. So it's just it's not one, even that one far. city between us. One one <laughs> yeah. little village between right. us. Yeah. It's just a totally different different setup. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, you you hear people talk about oh the farmer packs, the farmer packs. There's times, places that I've hunted with him where I think it is more challenging to get through some of that area on a horse and stay with hounds than it is down here. Mm-hmm. Down yeah. here, as long as you have a horse that can jump, yeah, as long as you can, can gallop, jump and gallop, you can get you can get where you need to get to. Yeah, up there you got to ride smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you go into a creek bottom and you don't know if you're going to hit bottom. Yeah, you go up the side of a, a mountain and you don't know if you're going to get to the top and have somewhere to go, or if you're going to be in laurel that's taller than you, or you're going to go or straight down off the other side. Top. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it it can be totally uh, totally different. The, the the biggest challenge down here is staying with your hounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a lot bigger roads down that people fly on. Yeah, and we don't we don't get away from those roads everywhere we hunt, other mm-hmm. than what one one or two meets are what I would consider a hundred percent safe meet. Which we have barriers. We have a river on one side. We have a land trust on the other side. Mm-hmm. They got to go pretty far to 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 be getting into trouble. Yeah. Now you you have some major roads up there, but most of the Most time, of you're, time, you're in pretty safe territory. Pretty safe, yeah. And then when we hunt there at the farm, we're a land peninsula. I mean, the Schuylkill River is around, and, you know, there's only one way out there. Yeah. So we have, but it's not the biggest fixture, you know, maybe three, 400 acres there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good place to train young, young hounds. Okay. There's lots of deer in there, so <laughs> we have... A reason have a way to break the hounds off a deer, mm-hmm. and uh, it just works pretty good. But it's changing over there now too. They're starting to develop some of the mm-hmm. outlying country off yeah. the farm. So I'm not sure how long we're going to be able to do that either. That's funny though. I've since since I started hunting, I everybody's always you know it's changing, it's changing. Ten more years, ten more years. Mm-hmm. I started what I was twelve, thirteen. Something like that. Yeah, well, I remember you coming down to Buddies. (laughs) You come down to Buddies, Buddy Swishers, with Kathy. Yep. When you were... Kathy and Karen. 14 or 15. And And uh, I had never left. Yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, been a long, long road. Yeah. Yeah. And we keep saying, I I know even Buddy 20 years ago would say, I don't know if we're going to be able to do do this next year. He said, it's it's coming to an end. Coming to an end. It's still here. It's getting tighter and tighter and harder and harder, but we just keep adapting somehow. Yeah. Kearney Hiller just told me 
at the picnic. He says, I thought when I got rid of my hounds, what was that, 40 years ago? He said, I thought it was done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, well, here, you're still going. And there's, there's still a lot of hunts around that people don't even know, know exist. They don't even know that we're here. Yeah. Like I said, I, I mean, I live 20 minutes south of here, and until I was in my early 20s, really didn't know any of this existed. And from, from where you are within, within an hour... You have Riches, you have My Hunt, you've got um, Andrews Bridge, you've got Cochran, you got River Hills, you've got Kimberton, you got West Bradford, you have Radnor, um, you have Rose Tree, which isn't Rose Tree anymore, it's no, uh, uh, Sean Culley. Sean Culley, yeah, Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge slash Rose Tree, I think, yeah. Am I missing anybody in there? Well, technically. Uh, Johnny Dean. Johnny Dean. Uh, technically, we're the Bellwood hunt, mm-hmm. you know. So well, then you you get into Maryland. Like I live right on the PA Maryland line. Then you get into Maryland, and there's a bunch. Yeah, there there's way. some. Um, Green Springs is in Maryland. Um, there yeah. was a hunt at Fair Elk, Hill, Elkridge, Elk, Elk Ridge, Hartford. Yep. Um, Fair Hill, they they they've Potomac. they've been closed. But there, there's a lot of hunts that people don't realize are even here. Yeah, it is kind of amazing. You can put. 40 hounds in the woods and go hunt for a day and people don't know you exist. Exactly. Well, that's like I didn't know coon hunter, any, there was any coon hunters around until I joined the coon hunters club and then it's all of a sudden and there's not a bunch of us but there's enough. You know, there's enough. a good handful of us still hanging around. It's like I, I would have never known that until I somebody told me like oh you should go up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like once you get into it and you actually know the people and then it's like oh whoa, there's a lot more going on around. Yeah. So even though we're we're basically between Baltimore and Philly and the suburbs keep creeping out on us. We keep running hounds over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, look at, you, you look at Radner right around the corner in Malvern from us, and, I mean, they're, they're right up against Route 3. They still hunt three days a week, but they hunt some tight country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to put, turn, turn my three dogs loose. You, you get up to some of his country, you, know, you, you get across – the edge of 401 out of that one fixture and your next stop the turnpike yeah. you're right up against it and i think we can all speak from experience they don't they don't check the wire on the turnpike as often no, as they should. No, we had <laughs> two years ago we had two hound one hound killed one hound hit and another hound uh, somebody on the turnpike picked up we got it but gotcha and that was from Scary. over there at Nant mill road yeah that's out through glenmore and it happens quick too. Yeah. Before you know it, you're you're getting somewhere where you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little nerve wracking. I usually spend the nights before a hunt, laying in bed thinking, where I'm going to draw, what I'm going to do, what's going to happen. And, and I'm right there with him now. <laughs> yeah. with, with with stepping up and taking a huntsman's position, mm-hmm. my my first couple weeks here. The first couple nights we were gonna hunt, it, it was it was nerve wracking. Till till I got off my horse when we got back from the meet, I don't think I took more than three or four breaths, just <laughs> just waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot of, a lot of responsibility. responsibility. Yep, you're, you're you're I'm responsible for everything now. Yeah, I, I not only am I watching my hounds where we're going, uh, I'm responsible for everybody's following me, making sure they're having fun. They're they're the members. They're they're paying the bills. They're helping feed right. the hounds. They're helping keeping this thing going. Yeah, now. How many people typically follow along with a hunt? It it varies. Um, since we hunt three days a week, Saturdays are obviously our biggest day. We see more people on those days. Um, this time of year, hound exercising, beginning of cubbing, I think today was probably the most people I had out, and I think there might have been 20 people, 30 people. Okay. Now you go to, like, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You could have 100, 150 people. You, you, you just never know. And that's all people on horseback. That's people on horses, yes. On horseback. It, it's just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, too, our, our joint meets, so our joint meets are a little bit different. We don't mix packs of hounds. Okay. Um, but, it, 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 you know, Green Springs will, from Maryland will come up, Elk Ridge will come up, or we'll go to them. And it's amazing how many of their members come with. Okay. Yeah, you know, their trailer an hour, two hours, whatever it is mm-hmm. up here and. They'll, they'll still have 10, 15, 20 people trailer all the way up here to hunt in our country for the day. Wow. And when we go down there, it's the same way. We have, we have a bunch of people that ride down with us. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, now we typically have a joint meet. We mix, we mix hounds. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, like with Johnny Dean or Doc Addis, he's passed away now. And and to me, that was always the the fun of a joint meet mm-hmm. to watch the two different packs of hounds. Yeah, just like Mackenzie was saying at the Game Lands that one year, we had three or four packs, and uh, just all put them together. We did that. Didn't we do that another year over off of? Uh, Nant- we did it once at Pippins. I don't remember it at Pippins. Had, I remember uh, over off at Nant Mill. Could be. But one year, New Year's Day, I think, we had Doc, Kimberton, us. And I think that was before Johnny. I think Johnny might have still been at Radnor then. Because Doc, I remember Doc falling off his horse <laughs> in the mud there and just before we got back on the pipeline. Doc. But, yeah. Doc Addis. Doc Addis. <laughs> he's, he's passed away now. He's, he's a great, great fox hunter. Yeah. Good friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a character. I've heard Doc, lots of stories about Doc. Addis, Doc Addis's theory on a good day is when, when the police and the game warden showed up. That means he had a, a good run. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard some stories. But he could, he could breed hounds. Yeah. He, and he could hunt hounds. He could hunt them. He knew, he, he thought like a fox. Okay. You know, he just knew where that fox should go or would go. Mm-hmm. And if those hounds had trouble, he. That little, how, he, he was what, 78 the last year he was on a horse? Well, I think up until 80. Wow. And to that, rude. you could be sitting aside Doc and hounds would be going somewhere and you could go as fast as you could the way that you thought was the best and somehow he would always beat you there even at 80 years old. <laughs> That's impressive. You'd come out around the corner and Doc would be sitting there. He'd be sitting there with the hounds. Yep, and you have no idea how he beat you there. there there's <laughs> no way he should have got there. <laughs> but he had been hunting that country for like sixty years, so he knew every rock and crevice, and yeah, he just—he was amazing. It's pretty impressive that you're out there. <laughs> like I'm you, not you today. Think, I think you're that's not, an you're old not, joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're giving you're giving Doc all this credit, saying you know he was eighty years old and out there and still doing it. You said you're seventy two. Well, I'll be seventy two. Yeah. You'll be seventy two, and you're still riding a daggum horse, following <laughs> a pack of hounds. That's pretty impressive. I'm trying. <laughs> This seems like a young person sport, especially especially to be a huntsman and to stay with the pack. And to me, at least, I would, I would think but it what, is. Oh, well, yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah, well, yes and no. And once again, it goes back to your pack of hounds and your territory. Okay. Thought that a little just, bit of experience. You know, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's been plenty of times, you know, when, when I first started hunting with Rich where I probably put an extra 10 miles on my horse where I could have followed Rich and went two miles. <laughs> but it's just like he said, it's experience. Yeah. You know, he's hunted that country for how long? Mm-hmm. I thought I knew where I was going. I thought I knew how I would get around where I wanted to be. But obviously there was a deer trail that I missed and <laughs> would, have, would have cut the whole corner yeah, off. Yeah, we didn't have like uh, groomed paths. No, <laughs> no. So, now you, you, you shred three or four pair of pants a year starting out. Well, I just want to say one thing too that when we brought up Doc Addis, I was always, he was always like a mentor to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, people either loved him or hated him. He was just one of them kind of people. But when it comes to hunting, fox hunting, he, he was the man. One year, uh, and I think you were there, uh, we hunted what we called the Big Hill in the winter. We got a fox on that Big Hill behind Cochran's, and I think we ran that fox for five hours straight, wow. nonstop. Uh, there was a bunch of people down on Nant Mill Road um, watching. Somebody got on the radio and said, the fox just crossed Nant Mill Road. And it was probably 4.30, maybe December, I don't know. It was winter. And, you know, it was going to get dark soon. Mm-hmm. So, and Doc, first time ever, they said, he went back early. Back to the trailer. He was cold. And he told me. Hang on one second. All right. So anyway, he told me he's gone in, stay with the hounds. This is probably an hour before. I'm a little ahead of myself. Anyway, what I'm getting at, I I just always respected Doc as a huntsman. And uh, at that time, we hunted together quite a bit. And I probably had 30 hounds. He had 30. So there was like 60 hounds. And he went in. He went back to the car. It was cold. And he, I'm, I think it was 80 or 81 at that time. <laughs> and people said, 
where's Doc? Never, never heard heard of him going back to the car when he's yeah. cold. He just never ever quit. Well, we ran another hour, and I told my wife we're coming back across the field. When we knocked them off, when we when that fox crossed Nant Mill Road, I had the guys on the on the car. I said, "Stop them, knock them off. We can't go. It's going to get dark here soon." You know, mm-hmm. these hounds are tired. <laughs> we come back across this big open field there at Billy Cochran's. And it was like, huh? <laughs> it was amazing. It was like, it was like you know, I, I'm I'm in heaven coming back. All these sixty hounds were following us back. They were all dragging. They they ran five hours up and down this hill, up and down this. And I just thought, here's Doc Sounds, who I've always appreciated, and my hounds all together. Mm-hmm. Just, and we haven't had a hunt like that since. Yeah, I do remember that day. It was. It was five hours. From, I remember sitting block. on top of the amphitheater with you and Larry just watching them run underneath yeah. us. And I also remember us sitting there like, sitting there that day going, you know, if we see them hitting Ant Mill Road, how screwed we are because we are not getting to them. <laughs> right. Well, they went over to a farm that we weren't supposed to be on either over there at Gross's. And uh, I thought, well, at this time of day, we better not let them go there either. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just felt so honored that, well, and I was right, 60, 65. I mean, it wasn't that many years ago. And I felt like a little kid just being honored that I had all these hounds with me. Yeah. And like I said, I, I'm boggled that you guys can control that many hounds and run that many hounds. And, and we come back across that field that day, probably, I don't know, three quarters of a mile across the hay field back towards the trailers. Every hound was there loaded up and just. They were tired. It's impressive. <laughs> I, I've gotten beyond lucky coming into the hunt. My my I, I worked for my English teacher who rides horses, and I got to know Sandy Dunn down at Kimberton. That's where I started at. I was riding horse for Sandy and ended up learning how to whip hounds down there. And then I met Rich and ended up moving over and hunting with Rich and Leslie for it, it's got to be nine or ten years yeah, at least. Probably ten years, I'm sure. And then I got, I was shoeing, I was, I'm a blacksmith part-time, mm-hmm. and I was shoeing horses for Carl Smoker, who did the hunt horses here at Cheshire, and also did the the retired huntsman that was before me, who I hunted with for the last two seasons now. He was doing his wife's barn, mm-hmm. so I got to know Ivan when, when the position came available here. I, I went from hunting with Rich and Leslie, who were like family. Yeah. I turn around and end up with Ivan, who... And just another great guy to hunt with, mm-hmm. and now I'm sitting. Yeah, you're the man. Yeah, I'm sitting in the huntsman spot at Cheshire. That's awesome. It's 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 different. Yeah, it's definitely different. It's been a long like I. If you'd asked me three years ago if I'd have thought I'd have ended up here, mm-hmm. never would have thought it. It's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Definitely, a good young man. Yeah, you 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 come down here. I mean, to the, some my my first two years here stories. Whew, there's like I said, I, I Ivan was great, but I actually I was talking to Ivan the other day, and there there was two times in the the two years here where I I really thought Ivan was trying to kill me. <laughs> uh, I, Ivan's a very good houndsman, very good horseman. There there's people that'll probably tell you he's one of the best huntsmen around. Um, but I I can we were over behind Runnymede. And it was early, an early season hunt. It was sometime in September. And I just remember being on one of our younger horses. And it had just started raining. Hounds were running. We were trying to find a way out into another field. And there was a tree blocking the only fence. And I remember galloping along this field, not knowing where I was going, following Ivan down through. And he locked on to a hedge that I couldn't see over it. I didn't know what was in it, and we were going full tilt at this hedge, and I just remember taking my feet out of the stirrups going, well, I made it a year with Cheshire, and this is where I end up in a body bag because I'm not, I'm not going to the other side of this hedge. I'm, I'm going to wreck right here. And we ended up, we, we got lucky. The hounds actually turned. We ended up not jumping it, but I, I was pretty sure, and I was convinced that that, that was going to be the end right there. <laughs> um, but I had some fun times with Ivan, and, and I had fun times with Rich. It's... They say it's two different worlds, so yeah. it's it's a totally different two, two extremes. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
without a doubt. Well, what what did we miss? Anything? I don't think we missed too too much. Yeah. I I really appreciate this. Like I've got a whole education here, and I'm sure all the <laughs> listeners are because this is vastly different than anything I've ever done. So, and it's just like I said, it, I'm just in awe of the fact that you guys can control as many hounds as you do, <laughs> and. You know, the way I control my hounds is a tone button. You guys don't have that. <laughs> uh, so. you, got, you, you do have to remember, you know, we, we both have, we both carry horns. The hounds do respond to a horn. And our whips also carry a whip. And the cracking of a whip means a lot to a hound. Yeah. It's not necessary that you're, you're whipping a hound with it. It's, it's all the tone and the noise and when and where you do it. Yeah, you do that behind a pack of hounds and all you're going to do is push them forward and they're going to be like, yeah, you, you, you say whatever you want. You do that in front of a pack of hounds, and they're gonna be like, "Whoa, hold on here a second. We we should probably stop what we're doing." Yeah. So it's not it's not like we don't it's not like it's a a miracle that that we can just walk out there and and take the whole pack. But it takes it, a village though to make it, it work. It does. It does. And Rich, Rich touched on it there about Doc too. It takes you you, you got to be smart. Mm-hmm. You got to you got to be way you know it, it's kind of like playing chess. You got to be twelve steps ahead. Right. And of all of those 12 steps, you need to have 12 more steps for each one of them. You, you can't think about what's three feet in front of you. You got to be six miles in front of you. Gotcha. And it, it's never ending. It's like that all day from the time the hounds hit the ground to the time they're back in the truck. Mm-hmm. Other than that, though, it's just fun. Right. It, it's, in, it's either in it, it's in you or it's not. You right. want to do it. That's for sure. Because it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It is. It, oh, yeah, definitely. It's a life. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, they, they, they act. They they our off seasons like April to to July is pretty much our off season, but it's not an off season when you have a pack of hounds. Oh no, no. they they're, still are they're getting still walked eat. out. Yep, yeah. That for for us that time of year we're we're breaking puppies, fresh puppies. They're they're learning to walk out with the pack couples. You know, you're still feeding every day. You're still walking out every day. Yeah. You're starting to clear trails for the next season. You're getting horses leg back up. Mm-hmm. it's just it, it's never ending uh, yeah. and, and for, for, for Rich I mean this is my full time job mm-hmm. he's working a full time job on top of doing this Yeah, his wife she runs her own business too he, he runs his business she runs her business and they're still taking care of a whole pack of hounds and all their other you know, you, know you, you look at where I'm at I've got my masters above me that you know, they're, they're doing a lot of the phone calls and contacting landowners and when we're coming here, when mm-hmm. we're going there. They're, you know, they, they take care of all the paperwork and all that stuff. Now, obviously, I have paperwork in the kennel and stuff, but these two are doing most of that on their own. Yeah. You know, they, they've got help in the kennel and stuff, but they're, they're working two full-time jobs while taking mm-hmm. care of everything that I'm doing on a daily basis on my own. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a lifestyle and a choice. Yeah. And it's not it's not for everybody, but <laughs> if you like hearing hounds go and you like hearing hounds run, yeah. you're not going to hear anything better than a pack of fox hounds. Running. That's right. Now we just got to get him to come to a couple hunts. Yeah, get him on a horse. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, I got a nice horse for you. I mean, I can I can walk around on a horse, but there's no way I'm keeping up uh, on a. So <laughs> grab a hold and hold on. I've never run <laughs> faster than maybe a trot. <laughs> so. I, you know, some trail rides. That's my, well, my... you definitely have to come out in the truck or something. Yeah, sometimes. definitely. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you sitting down with me tonight and, uh, and recording this. And I've, like I said, I've had a lot of fun and learned a lot. And I think everybody listening, if they've stuck around this long on this trash race, cause like I said, this is typically a tree dog podcast. We're talking, <laughs> you know, dogs, tree and stuff. So, well, we, we, we have some hounds that'll tree stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they might not supposed to, but they will. <laughs> Well, that's where the first coon hounds came from, and uh, yep. so. But thank you, guys. Okay, you're thank welcome. You. Thank you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media, and until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>